Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. The following program contains materials that viewers may find disturbing. Viewer discretion is advised. He just grabbed me, like, in between my legs. Like, he just grabbed it real hard. And he just gave me this look. It was, like, a very fierce look. And it just sent these chills up my spine. I'm thinking he's going to hit me or do something like that. But then he rolls over and reaches, like, he's reaching to the side of the bed or something. So I'm thinking, now he's not going to hit me. He's going to get a gun. Mm-hmm. And, and what did you do at that time? I just grabbed the gun and I shot him. everybody we're back it's i for night podcast if you weren't aware obviously you're aware you're listening to it i'm your host lisa and i'm here with my good old co-host matt hey guys <laughs> you're so unenthusiastic i'm ready yeah i was we're waiting here for you to for episode 10 now this is a fucking this is gonna be we're not gonna talk about who it is yet because we have some shit to talk about first but this is going to be a really juicy case because for the first time in a long time, we've gotten real feedback in real time yes. from you guys. Yes, this so is awesome. So that's super, super important. That's what this podcast is about. This yep. is the this is the episode that we've been waiting for. Yep. Not necessarily because of the subject matter, even though it's perfect, but because this is the point of the podcast. We want your opinions. We got... And we got a some, ton of opinions. Yeah, we got some great feedback on this case. We were really impressed with everybody that's like... Yeah tuned into what's been going on and keeping up here. Absolutely. It's very, very it, incredible. It's especially considering when this case took place, which may surprise some people here. Yeah. So definitely we're going to get into this in a little bit. But first, we have a few things to shout out. One of them being, we want to send our thoughts and our prayers to all these people that are being devastated currently by the California wildfires. It's all most, people, yeah. everywhere affected by climate change. Yep. We're sending our thoughts and prayers to all of you. It's, the whole planet. Yeah, honestly. LA but, right now, yeah. everywhere else all the time. Mount Agung in Bali, Indonesia, the there people affected by the volcano erupting. We're sending our thoughts and prayers to we you. We just want you guys to know we're with you. And obviously that's not very... Uh, Relevant to yeah. this or heartwarming or anything to uplift you. But we want to send our good thoughts and prayers along with It's just so sad. It makes me fucking sick. Yeah. So we're here for you. We hope that you all find safety. You're all healthy. Hopefully your communities will help build you back up. I'm sure, you know, they will, but... Absolutely. That's what I want to Everybody comes together, whatever the hard times come on. So. Absolutely. 
Um, another thing we wanted to shout out, we got some reviews that are really exciting. Yes. Matt, do you have them pulled up at all? I don't. Let me pull them up quickly. But yeah, we were really excited to hear back from you guys because yeah. this is why we want to do this. You know, we want people to listen and respond. Yeah. Get into the dialogue with. We've been talking about this for like <laughs> 10 to 15 years, somewhere in that range. So we want other people to chime in. Honestly, we're so like, happy with you guys. So. I saw, the, like, what's the first scary movie I saw? Probably like The Ring. And then from there, I kind of backtracked the backwards ring. to like The Shining and, you know, The Exorcist, all of the classics. Because I was a little baby, you know. I used to read about murders in middle school, so that's where I've been. I've been, I'm long out of middle school, so this has been a fascination forever. Any shout outs? I want to read out a couple here, if that's yeah. cool. Let's, we're going to shout out a few of our listeners who we're super excited about getting feedback from. If you want to be shout out, shout it out, what would it be? Shout out it? Shout the fuck out? Shout, <laughs> shout out! If you want to shout out, I guess there's no like tense for that. If you want to shout out, we'd be happy. Just give us a comment, review. Definitely subscribe if you're interested in what we're talking about, especially with this case because it's 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 blown up in the media recently. So, Matt, take it away. All right. Awesome. Thank you, Lisa. <laughs> so, we want to thank a few people here. Uh, are we, we reading these right now? Am I going to read out a couple of these? Yeah, read out a couple of them. I, I want to thank uh, Johnny Appleseed, <laughs> 33. I uh, appreciate the shout-out, Johnny. Jess Patrick, we want to thank you as well. Your review on the Michelle Carter episode was really enlightening. And right, so. she was in, She actually gave some insight for that case. Exactly. That's why I was really grateful <laughs> to hear back from you. Because, honestly, we want people to do that exactly. Chime in She's and She's the first feedback. one to actually give us the feedback That's the a great that point. we used so, in this show. Yes. So, congratulations <laughs> and thank you again. And... ALH5523, who I'm pretty sure I know who that is. I think that's my friend Angela. So thank you, Angela. We appreciate it. We love you. Um, and Crime Watching, who actually we don't know who that is. Yeah. So we're really glad to hear you chime in. So give us a shout out. Yeah, Follow us on Facebook. On yeah. We love to have Hopefully, you. one day we'll actually have you on the show. That's, like I said a million times before, the point. Yeah. One of the reasons we're so excited for this episode is because we are going to be talking about. A real life situation along with the case. Yeah. Pretty kind of like a guest star without them without actually real, yeah. being they were they chose not to speak themselves on the on the show, but they definitely gave us so much insight that they give us the permission to use on this episode and it will definitely provide some wild insight. Yeah. We'd like her to remain anonymous, but we wanna one million times <laughs> excuse me, one million times over thank her. For everything that she's given us today because it was so enlightening for Lisa. And I was sitting at work like... Same. Yeah, couldn't even focus. Like, it was, was absolutely... I was the conversation started and I just didn't want it to end. Yeah, couldn't even focus on my job today, guys. So. It's just really interesting because it covers the same subject matter we're going over in the case we're about to talk about. And hearing a first-hand account... Of someone who's gone through something very similar, so very similar to the case we're talking about, definitely gives more insight on the thoughts and feelings. What what goes on when you are in that situation yourself, and that's really important, I think, to hear, um, especially with this case because there's a lot of back and forth. Like, okay, what happened here? But there were a lot of points that the individual brought up that makes so much sense and opened more doors for me. 
that I don't know if they made me more confused or if they enlightened yeah. me more. You know what I in mean? In a lot of ways, I'm more confused. It added a lot of elements to this yeah. already incredibly complex industry and epidemic and horrible situation for so many people. Foreign people who are brought here and trafficked as from day one or people like our friend and our contributor who kind of stumbled into it and just, you know, were a runaway. Sintoya Brown, same situation, was a runaway and just kind of fell into a life of absolute... We don't even... Yeah, chaos. We don't even know how to account for it. I mean, drug use, sex, multiple people being there all the time. Alcohol, I mean, yeah, pedophilia, partying all the time. I mean, you know... And as a kid, we were saying, like, it probably sounded so cool to her at the time. Like, you know, all these cool older guys are bringing liquor. They're bringing yeah. weed. We're having a good time. I'm getting laid. That's cool. And, and you know, when you're a kid, keep in mind, these were children. They yeah. Were, both Centoya and our contributor were 14 years old when they ran away from home and became embroiled in this. Yeah, so... If you haven't figured it out already, the case we're discussing today is Centoya Brown's didn't case. I me- didn't we mention that? No. Oh, shit. Well, yeah. <laughs> God, I thought we'd mention that. No, Matt's like sleeping, I think. I'm not. I'm very but much no, awake. I'm super excited. Yeah. I, I thought we mentioned her I name. think I'm that's sorry. why you got carried away a little bit. I got a but little bit. But it's okay. Away. That but was I'm an glad. exciting way to bring it. You kind yeah. of slipped her name in. They're like, okay, is this about her? No, maybe yes. Yeah. And then boom, yes it is. Yeah. Today's topic is the Centoya Brown case. Now, we did want to shed some light on the background of this case before we get into any opinions at all. I don't want to give any opinions until we lay out the groundwork for what happened, what was brought up in court, the trial, everything else, just like every other case. But this one does get emotions boiling, does get debate flowing. So I want to make sure we get out all of the facts that we know. If you follow us on Facebook, you probably got a (laughs) prelude of a lot of this, but we still have to go over all the instances and all the occurrences. So before we give you our personal opinions and debate what's going on currently with this case and and what's going on, uh, we definitely want to give you the background, lay down that background for you, because otherwise I don't feel it's fair. And a lot of people... To my knowledge, don't really know the full background of this story. Same because like all they're doing is we're gonna go over that. So, anyways, for those of you who don't know the background of this case and have just seen it kind of plastered throughout the media. Even uh, if you haven't seen it on social media yeah. or anywhere, it's become recent news. Yep. Centoya Brown was born in 1988, which would make her what, 28? 29. Nine. Wow, my brother's 28. I should know this. Mm. He was born in 1989. I'm so stupid. Okay, anyways. Santoya was given up for adoption by her biological mother, Georgina Mitchell. Biological mother side of the family is extremely heavily loaded with psychiatric disorders. Um, bipolar, personality disorder, suicidal, manic depressive, which is an guarded condition. Um, at times I've had homicidal thoughts uh, for people that have hurt me. Um, for... I've been raped, and I've always, you know, wanted to do things to them for hurting me. When she was around two years old. Now, by all accounts, Centoya's mom, Georgina, did consume alcohol and maybe dabbled with some drugs while she was still pregnant with Centoya, which may have resulted in fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. This was something I learned, Matt. I'm not sure if you knew all about this, because I had heard of fetal alcohol disorder. I, You know, I've heard of that. I've 
fetal alcohol syndrome. I've heard of that. But I didn't know the way the, the umbrella term is fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. So I wanted to look into that a little bit more. Yeah, I don't know too much about it. But I do know that there are different... I've read that there are different spectrums for how it can affect you. And that I believe you even noted that it's the most severe is fetal, fetal alcohol syndrome. Mm-hmm. Where like you are born with alcohol as part of your bloodstream, right? Isn't yeah. that the case? Like Where like yeah. you're literally an alcoholic almost from yeah. birth practically. Like, yeah, yeah. You'll kind of like crack or heroin. Yeah. yeah, similar alcohol. So it's, it's a very serious, very, very serious disorder, disease... Well, disorder, I guess it's a disorder. And it definitely can affect the development of your brain. Obviously, if you're in utero while your mother's drinking or consuming drugs, it's going to affect you later in life. So that is a big point of Centoya Brown's case still to this day. They do believe she suffered from fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. And a lot of reports, I don't know if they're misreporting or not, do say the disorder was under that umbrella term that she suffers from is the most severe, which is fetal alcohol syndrome. So I just wanted to bring that up because that does affect what happened here, at least in the defense's eyes. When Centoya was eight months old, Matt, her mom began using crack cocaine. And thankfully that resulted in Centoya being given up to a woman named Ellenette Brown. I think, I don't know how that happened. I don't know who Ellenette was. I don't know if she's just a random adoptive mother but kudos to her. She took in this baby when the baby was not in a safe environment. And unfortunately, that doesn't happen as often as it needs to. So I thought that was really important. Kudos Absolutely. to Ellenette, even though obviously this ended up a little... We need more people like you, Ellenette. We do. Absolutely. Hopefully she gave her a good home, but by all accounts, she, she did. did. Yeah, by yeah. all accounts, Ellenette had a very stable household, a very loving household for Centoya. But unfortunately, as we see in the reports here, Matt... She did fall into some hard times. Now, yeah. Centoya obviously she fell through some cracks, basically. Yeah, is what you know, she, um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, she was a product of her before environment. I mean, they believe she suffered from FASD, which is what we talked about—the fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. The severe, the most severe being fetal alcohol syndrome. So, they do say that limits your brain functionality to the point where you're years younger mentally than you are physically. And I think that did play a part in her kind of acting out under Elinette's house. Because like Matt and I spoke about just a minute ago, Elinette provided a really stable household by all accounts. There's no one, not one person says that it was a rough household, right. that she was abused in any way in this household. It uh, was a, a loving place for her to be. I think she probably suffered from PTSD despite not even having suffered too much remembering of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, like growing Absolutely. up the, your first eight months in an environment where your mother was an alcoholic well, and using crack, like... It's great that you brought that up because I don't know if many of our listeners know, but I was adopted from Russia when I was 10 months old and I've been in and out of therapy my whole life for it. And a lot of the things I've learned is a lot of the way I am today stems from the first 10 months of my life. Mm-hmm. And I've talked to my pediatricians about it just from different like little things here and there, hereditary things that we're trying to like piece together And it does show that that is the most important. The first year of a baby's life is the most important and can shape the way that baby is for the rest of their life. And that Matt brought up, which was a really good point, that she was eight months old when she was finally taken away from her mother who was abusing drugs, maybe abusing her. We don't know. We can't assume. But 
maybe we can. If you're on drugs, she probably doesn't even know what she was doing. Right. So thankfully, Centauri was able to get out of that situation by the grace of Elinette Brown. However, like Matt brought up, that first eight months probably definitely, well, probably definitely doesn't make any sense, definitely contributed to her future behavior. Absolutely. And with a mother who has obviously not taken care of her to the point that she had to be taken away in eight months into her life. I mean, I don't know if you guys have ever smoked crack, but I haven't either. <laughs> so. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm keeping that in. I what? thought I'd get a laugh. What? Uh, I was what drinking it? water either. You just like gagged. I'm sorry about that. That was. What the fuck? I haven't smoked crack. Have you? <laughs> I don't sure know if you guys, guys have, have but me neither. Yeah. I'm not going to, though. But it's so. a bad drug, so don't do it. Dare it's all do not. All right. So. Uh, by the time, though, that it was 2004, at this point, she's already around 16 years old. Well, a little. you can do math, because I can't. Yeah, I mean, she was a little younger, I think, when she was four, 15, right? She was. Like, she ran, she started running. She started running away when she was 14, I believe. Yeah, yeah, so yeah like, when she yeah. was 14 years so old. So, like, around 2002, then, she's running away, she's Getting into a bad crowd, obviously. Um, hanging out with people who are older than her, using drugs, drinking. Through all of this, she met a 24-year-old guy, so he's 8 to 10 years older than her somewhere, named Cutthroat, no less. Who? <laughs> I want to see if I can find his real name, but go on. Yeah, if we find his real name, I'm still calling him Cutthroat. What a thug. What a piece of shit who eventually began physically and sexually abusing her um, and started pimping her out, forcing her to commit terrible sex acts and being a prostitute for him. And apparently she was under his thumb for a couple years, right? And two years, yeah. Like Matt was touching on, she met a 24-year-old when she was out on the run doing drugs mixed up with the wrong crowd, and he was named Garion, G-A-R-I-O-N. Garon? How do you say things like that? Jerrion. I don't know. Whatever Probably his name was. Jerrion Cutthroat McLaughlin was his name. McLaughlin? McLaughlin. No, it's like McLaughlin. Yeah. McLaughlin. Sarah McLaughlin. I was like, <laughs> where are you going? I'll because we'll be sued. Yeah, I'll we make might it get copyright. I'll like fuck it all up. All right. Basically, she met a 24-year-old named Garrion Cutthroat McLaughlin. McLaughlin. I don't fucking know how to pronounce his name, and I don't care because he's a shit who eventually began physically and sexually abusing Centoya, eventually forcing her into prostitution and what we later found out was considered sex trafficking. Mm -hmm. Now, this obviously, no bueno, horrible, horrific abuse, obviously for an already fragile woman. Yes. I mean, girl, I guess at this point she was not, you know... Young woman, yeah, girl. She was a girl. Yeah, so definitely a horrible place for this girl to be, especially given her background... And this led us to some pretty wild situation, a pretty wild situation, which is what we now know this name for. Yes. So Matt, basically on August 7th, 2004, this is from Brown's testimony, by the way, in the court documents. This is not based on like what I think happened. It's what the court says happened and what Centoya said happened. And an affidavit from the detective, I believe, also. So... On August 7, 2004, Brown testified that she was solicited for sex by a 43-year-old man named Johnny Mitchell Allen. So, Centoya met Johnny at a Sonic parking lot, and they ended up driving together back to his house. 
During that time at his house, Centoya said she saw a gun cabinet in Alan's room. According to Centoya, she did resist Johnny's advances until he appeared to reach under the bed. That's when she said that she believed, and I quote, he was going to get a gun or is going to do something to me. Fearing for her life, she proceeded to take the gun out of her purse and shoot Alan. So she came with the gun. She did not take one of his, according to the testimony. Right. She then left Mitchell's residence taking his pants, which did contain his wallet, took her, I think her gun, I don't know if she stole his guns, but maybe his guns, and his car and drove to a nearby Walmart where she got picked up by one of her friends, for lack of a better word. Somebody. Later, she was arrested. I believe it was that day or the day after, after Alan's body was found. When you walked up to the Sonic, who approached you? A man in a white truck. And is this the person that has been referred to throughout this hearing, Mr. Allen? Yes. He didn't want to go to the hotel. He said that he wanted to go to his house because there was no one there. That time he was just finished telling me about his accomplishments and saying how that he used to be in the Army and that he was a sharpshooter in the Army. And then he had told me how a lot of women want him for his money and that he wanted someone to make love with him with desire. Did you see any guns in the house? Yes, I seen two shotguns downstairs, and he showed me a chrome gun with a black handle. Where were you when he showed you that? I was sitting at the table eating my food. You tend to be a nervous person. Yeah. Was there anything that made you especially nervous that night? Um, just how he was acting, just how he talked. It's like the way he talked, how he was just so important and stuff. And then me, I look at myself, who am I? Who am I to him? It's like, then he talks about the guns and stuff. If he does something to me, I'm sitting here thinking, what can I do? I'm in his house. Ain't nobody going to know where I'm at. My mom and them, they don't know where I'm at. This is where things get a That's what Centoya said happened. She said she threat was fearing for her life. She was, you know, about to be sexually abused. She thought this man was going to kill her. And so she took out a gun and shot him in the head. And that right. is where she shot him. This is where things get skewed. According to the forensic evidence of the case, mm -hmm. what they said is they found that Johnny was sleeping when he was shot and killed. And his hands were in a position where they were underneath his body, proving to the coroner and the, well, this ultimately made up the prosecution prosecution's case, but it proved to them that Centoya's claim of self-defense didn't really add up with right. the evidence. Yeah. So, he was asleep. Mm -hmm. And the reason they bring this up, <clears throat> she may have felt in danger, even with him sleeping, but the reason it's relevant is because if she's not in imminent danger in that moment for her life, Technically, the law says she's not justified in killing someone. For self-defense. For self-defense, right. And that was what she based her entire thing off of. Yes. Now, like I said, she did take Johnny's pants, guns, and his car. And so the way that when this went to trial, the way it was brought up was that it was a robbery gone wrong. Right. The way the prosecution framed it was that... Centoya was sent to this house to steal money from this quote-unquote client and it either went away or she was 
she was told to kill him. Yes. So those are the two kind of conflicting stories of what happened. And Toya says it was self-defense. She believed she was in imminent danger and he was reaching for a weapon to hurt her because she was refusing his advances. And evidence and the prosecution side say, no, no, he was sleeping. You robbed him and then went back to your pimp. So you felt like if you tried to leave, he would harm you. <laughs> right. And your, your belief in that is based on the fact that he told you he had some guns and he's a sharpshooter. Not only that, but uh, the way also, he was acting. Well, the only thing we know is that he bought you food, he took you home, you used his bathroom, you felt comfortable doing that, you ate with him, you felt comfortable doing that, you sat on the couch and watched TV with him, you felt comfortable doing that, you got in the bed and at least one time went to sleep while he was there, you felt comfortable doing that. I never went to sleep. There doesn't make sense that this was self-defense because you weren't in an immediate, imminent danger. That's what was the conversation at trial. Now, Matt brought up a good point earlier. This case is back in the news right now. It happened in 2004. Yeah, this case is 14 years old almost. Okay, so Matt, what happened at the trial? At trial, she was sentenced to 51 years. With the possibility of parole after serving, I believe, 40 of those years. So when she turns 59, mm-hmm. she is eligible for parole. What was she charged with? She was charged with three different things. Oh, did you say that already? I was <laughs> no, I did not. And that's relevant because what she was charged with is the reason she was sentenced so harshly. And I'm glad that you said it. In the commission of a robbery. She murdered someone. That's how the prosecution framed this. Now, why that's relevant is because first-degree murder and first-degree felony murder are two different charges. And in the state of Tennessee, whether you are a juvenile or an adult, if you commit first-degree felony murder, you are charged as an adult. And that is one of 25 states. It's split right down the middle, according to some research I've done. It's 24, but basically... 24? Okay, know. sorry, my apologies. 24. That it might be 25 now. Maybe it is, yeah. Right. We read different accounts, things we don't know. And it's a law, though, that if you're committing first-degree felony murder, which that... And for those of you that don't know the distinction there, I'm sure most people I didn't do. Until, yeah. No. Well, yeah. I didn't know the distinction between first degree murder and first degree felony murder. Right. Because I didn't understand that felony differentiates, or that you could be charged with both at the same time. Exactly. Because you figure, like, you would think if you're just like not in law. So well, a lot of times, it's just like a blanket, like, oh, to murder is murder. A lot of times, it. though, they'll charge multiple things, like they'll charge for murder and manslaughter, because if they don't want a convict of murder, there's a chance they'll be convicted of manslaughter. That makes sense. Now, they could also get convicted of the whole fucking boatload <laughs> in this case. And it, <laughs> it seems like Sintoya Brown was railroaded to me a little bit because only in the fact that they could have charged her with first degree aggravated felony murder for robbing someone and killing him, not tacked on the extra murder charge because she probably still would have been found guilty of one or the other, although they probably took the chance thinking that maybe they don't want to sentence her to life in prison. Yeah. So I don't know necessarily what Tennessee's statute for sentencing is. If anybody in Tennessee's listening, give us a shout-out. We'd yeah, love to hear it. Um, shout-out to my cousins in Tennessee. I love you guys. <laughs> um, but I would, I would be curious to know because actually if it's like a time... 
period where it's life in prison without the possibility of parole, or if there's a time period you can serve 40 years, for example, and then be eligible for parole. And if they tacked on more for her 51-year sentence, I don't know. So if anybody does know, Google. We can probably figure it out. Um, But somebody could shout us out. We'd just love to hear from you. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So, so yeah. basically she was charged and convicted on all three counts. She was convicted on all three counts. Yeah, robbery, robbery, you, or I'm sorry, robbery, robbery, more robbery, robbery, more robbery. robbery, robbery. More. She robbed the keys. No. <laughs> She uh, took the keys, she took the car, yeah. she took the wallet and the pants. She took his pants. <laughs> Didn't even leave the man the pants. Yeah. But he doesn't deserve his fucking pants, let's be real. Who? The guy that was killed. Why? Because according to reports, he was buying a minor for sex. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> oh I, I thought you were what? talking... I was like, why? Why would? Why would she steal his pants? Though I, I wasn't connecting. <laughs> yeah. Like she doesn't deserve. Like he doesn't deserve the pants. I was just like, why would she steal his pants? Like you think they fit her? Like yeah. I was like, what's the point of stealing the pants though? Like that's like that's what I was getting. I was like, I don't understand that either. I know that his wallet was in his pants pocket, so I don't know if she was just like, fuck it, I'm gonna take the whole pant. I have no take, idea. I'm gonna just. I mean, she might as well tuck him in. Maybe. Tuck him in half. Maybe she just grabbed the pants she and ran. She might as well tuck in his whole lower torso with her. But the Whoa. crazy part is, is she was sentenced to 51 years without the possibility of parole for a crime that she committed at the age of 16. Now, mind you, with FS, fuck, what's it, SD, fetal alcohol, FASD, she was said to have the mental capacity to understand things as a, the same as a 10-year-old. That's a fourth grader. Now, if you heard of a fourth grader committing this crime... I don't know. What would you think? Couldn't even fathom. You know, if a fourth grader felt that lost to have to murder somebody, I would have been like, let them go. Give them help. Let them go. So... Ten years old. The reason this case has been brought back up after 14 years... Keep in mind, Centoya has been incarcerated since 2004. Her arrest in August 2004. Now, the case first met widespread attention after the release of a 2010 documentary called Me Facing Life, the Centoya Brown story, which I implore all of you to check out. I have not personally watched it yet, which I do need to. We just got so excited about releasing this episode, we wanted to record it, and I didn't really have time in between then and work to watch this, but it does seem like a very interesting documentary. I did get a lot of snippets from it, and I did do a lot of research on the background of that story and what it's based on which is obviously this whole trial hold on who's bone <laughs> i don't know okay who's bone is it relevant who bone is <laughs> well yeah because the reason she's back in the spotlight is because they began re-representing her pro bono case the same year after seeing the documentary so however bonus <laughs> is it relevant <laughs> I don't know. I thought you were like <laughs> quoting somebody. I was like, does it matter? Like, just well, read the damn quote. It was thrust back into the spotlight because her story 
somehow found its way to Rihanna, who then, in turn, posted an Instagram post, which I want to read to you guys. I'm sure a lot of our listeners are up on the news, are really big on true crime, and so have already seen this, but I wanted to read it just in case for the few who have not or are not as familiar with the case. There's no. millions of followers that got this at least oh, put out there millions to them. and millions. Yeah, so, it, so it's relevant. And and she's not the only celebrity he's spoken out, which no, we'll talk about in a second. Exactly. So Rihanna posted on her Instagram and on her Twitter a picture of Santoya Brown sitting in her orange jumpsuit looking pretty sad. And it says, imagine at the age of 16 being sex trafficked by a pimp named Cutthroat. After days of being repeatedly drugged and raped by different men, you were purchased by a 43-year-old child predator who took you to his home to use you for sex. You end up finding enough courage to fight back, shoot, and kill him. You are arrested as a result, tried and convicted as an adult, and sentenced to life in prison. This is the story of Centoya Brown. She will be eligible for parole when she is 69 years old. So it was 69, not 59. I'm sorry, 69. Hashtag free Centoya Brown. Now, Rihanna, of course, has a huge, huge following. So then, Rihanna also put, after posting that, what I would not consider a meme, but it was a picture on her account, she basically posted alongside that, did we somehow change the definition of justice along the way? Because something is horribly wrong when the system enables these rapists and the victim is thrown away for life. To each of you responsible for this child sentence, I hope to God you don't have children because this could be your daughter being punished for punishing already. Hashtag free Centoya Brown. Hashtag how many more. That also caught the wind of Kim Kardashian West who tweeted that she would ask her legal team to look into Brown's case. She said the system has failed. It's heartbreaking to see a young girl sex trafficked when she was... when oh fuck. The system has failed. It is heartbreaking to see a young girl sex trafficked then when she has the courage to fight back is jailed for life. We have to do better and do what's right. I've called my attorneys yesterday to see what can be done to fix this. Hashtag free Centoya Brown. Now, in December 2015, it is important to note that Centoya did earn her associate's degree from Lipscomb University and she... Because of that, because of earning that degree, she is eligible for parole a few years sooner. And that is important to let, let know, let, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> let everyone know. You're all right. Let's, let's talk about it. All right. So young girl, two sides of the frame. Now I read to you, Matt, the posts from Kim Kardashian West. Mm-hmm. And Rihanna. Now, a lot of other celebrities retweeted the picture and that quote yes. with the picture. I don't really think many added too much more to it, but basically around the same thing, Free Centoya Brown, where's justice? Yeah, a lot of people were basically framing it as, how is this possibly happening? Where this girl... And LeBron James was one of the people. I mean, there's athletes, mm-hmm. there's actresses, there's singers, singers like executives, producers, everywhere. executives that have mentioned this case... This case happened 14 years ago, guys. And it's just in 2017 being thrown through the spotlight at lightning speed. Yeah. And it's interesting to note. Now, I might get some shit for this, and I'm just trying to play both sides of the coin because I think that's the only fair way to do this. Because, I'll, And I'll give you my personal opinions as well, but I just want to play both sides. 
it's important to note that although what is in this is reportedly, you know, fact based on Sinatoya's testimony, it's basically phrasing it with the headline, sex trafficked girl kills abuser, gets life in prison. Yep. Now, like we talked about the case forensics and how the case was won by the prosecution team is that this abuser was, first of all, not the main pimp, which I guess doesn't really matter, but in the prosecution's eyes, maybe it did. Because in, I'm sure in their arguments, they said, okay, why didn't you kill your pimp then? If right. you're going to kill someone, why wouldn't you kill the top? Why wouldn't you kill the Why would you kill the client? Why wouldn't you kill the top? And even when you kill the client, why wouldn't you go home and kill the top? Just get it over with. Because once you kill the top, you're it's over right. for you. So it's also important to remember that according to the forensic evidence, the person she killed, Johnny, was asleep. Again, making the self-defense claim a little less not accurate because like Matt said in the top, you could still be, you could still feel like you're in jeopardy. You could still feel like you're in trouble, in peril, even if your abuser isn't actively abusing you. That is important. But what I'm saying is it's not touching on the forensic facts of the case, which, so basically what I'm saying is when I first saw this case come up in the news, I thought, wow. This is bullshit. And I still feel that way. I still feel like this is that most ridiculous sentence I've ever seen. It's definitely, in my opinion, over the top as well. And we'll but, get into eye for yeah, an eye for but sure. But when I started researching it, instead of having this concrete block thought about the case, about what I thought I knew about the case. Right. We got much more in depth. There were that. little cracks. Little cracks everywhere. Okay. Well, this does make sense with the, what the prosecution is saying. That doesn't mean the prosecution is right, right. for the sentence. But it does make sense how they would have won this case based on what they were saying. Now, based on what the law is. Yeah. That, and that's what a lawyer's job is. It's exactly. Not that An attorney's job is to follow the suit of the law. So yeah. what they're not saying is, did she steal from this guy and kill him at the same time? Which, yes. Yes. By even her accounts. She yes. admitted to that. She admitted to all that. Just the way she framed it was self-defense. Exactly. So, but, it, but that's where we draw the line is, you know, what happened leading up to that was she to the point that she was felt threatened up until then and he fell asleep and then she was like, I gotta fuck out of here. Yeah. And she just took what she could and, and she left. took what she could Which and left. I think that's something she's probably used to. But that, Stealing, that to me is a little bit questionable only because she went back and got picked up. Although at the same time, I it opened my eyes today that like, you don't you might not even realize that the person is doing it to you and trafficking you, and you're just, you know, that's my friend, that's my go to guy. Mm -hmm. Like he hooks me up, you know. Well, and we'll talk about that because the the our friend that we spoke to regarding her experiences being trafficked, yeah, really brought that close to us. But before we get into her story, I wanted to bring up what Matt and I were talking about before we hit record, is that. The way the media is portraying this right now, the way celebrities are portraying this now, both Matt and I, and I'm sure a lot of you, thought this case happened yesterday. Yeah, I thought she was I sentenced thought the other day. I thought she was sentenced a week ago. And then when I started digging, I found, holy shit, this was 14 years ago, and Centoya's been in jail for 10 years. That's pretty significant. And you have to think, where were, where were these, you know, 
right doers. Obviously, these celebrities were like 20 at the time, so that maybe they weren't aware, right. you know, and they obviously didn't have their platform, even if they were aware. But at the same sense, it's like, don't you think this is a case that people would have remembered had it been thrust so heavily into the spotlight as it was happening instead of right now? It makes me wonder whether or not that would have swayed any kind of sentencing, if that would have swayed, you know, if there were piles and piles of people saying, this is absolutely bullshit. The sentence is bullshit. This was abused, trafficked young girl who was lost, confused, has the mental capacity of a 10-year-old when this crime was committed. This is bullshit. But I do want to see both sides of the coin here. Like I said, I thought I had a concrete opinion. Hell, I thought the case happened yesterday. But through my research, the prosecution's take on it and how she was convicted makes more and more sense than that. Just a reminder, that does not mean I agree with the sentencing or the outcome of the trial. It just means what the prosecution said makes sense. Now, I don't know if her defense team was the shittiest defense team on the planet Earth. Yeah, I'm I'm also questioning how her defense team... Because I have no team. idea. Hey, and we don't know them, and we don't know exactly what they said, but it seems to me as though there were a lot of ways to... A lot of flaws. Yeah. A lot of flaws. So, Matt, let's talk about, really, th- this case. So, I asked... Well, this is this is an exciting case because I asked a lot of different people their thoughts. Like I said, it's a huge media case right now. Everybody has seen it at least once. Somewhere pop up on their timeline, Instagram, whatever else. So I post the questions, basically what I've been saying. My questions were as follows. And you can still answer these today. We still want to engage with you guys regarding this case. Because they're appealing her conviction, because they want to revisit the sentence that she received since she was a minor at the time of receiving a life sentence. I want to revisit this as many times as we need to, as many times as it makes sense. So my questions I posed to many different groups I'm a part of, including our own Facebook group, which is, again, I for iPod. Well, yeah, it's at I for iPod on Facebook. My questions were, what are your feelings on this case? Do you think she was acting in self-defense, committing a robbery, gone way wrong, or something else? Do you question anything about the case, and if so, what? Do you think the background of Centoya should play a part when it seems the man she murdered had little or nothing to do with her being in a sex trafficking ring and abused? Do you think the celebrities who have spoken out are going 100% by fact or emotion-based only, based, or are going 100% by fact or solely emotion-based on only some of the facts of the case being hugely publicized? Those are questions I posed because I got a lot of feedback. We have a lot of people interacting with this, which is so exciting because it's our first case where we've really gotten the feedback that we've been craving. And I wanted to read a few of those answers, and then Matt and I will discuss our feelings on the case, and then we're going to get into our personal interaction interaction with someone who has been a victim of such a heinous crime. Yes. So let me read some of these interactions I had. So Yeah, we love it. Thank you, guys. Yeah, absolutely. So... On our post on my on our iFry Facebook page, we received an answer to my question. So this comment comes from a Pam, and it says, I believe she should be let go. Several reasons. One, minor being trafficked. Two, she was trying to get away from an abuser physically, mentally, and sexually. Choices are, in parentheses were, stay in it or get the hell out. If it was so easy to just leave, don't you think she, along with others, would get out 
Do you think this is a trip for her and others to have to live with? Half don't even know what is happening to them. The so-called trafficking. Yep. Maybe putting yourself in her shoes would help you make up your mind. So it's absolutely a valid point, I think. I think Pam makes a wonderful point. I think it is nothing that's comprehensible to anyone unless you've lived it. Even when you lived it, it's not comprehensible. And that's a point that we talked about a lot. You do not need to be actively being abused to be abused. To be abused. To be being abused. Uh, I think, like I said earlier, a lot of what opened my eyes today was realizing that people can walk into this. You don't necessarily get kidnapped. It's not like taken. You know, like it happens like that where people are picked up, kidnapped, snatched, and, you know, drugged and tossed into an organization or an industry somewhere that they've never been. It happens. But, I mean, we spoke to someone today who literally was like, I ran away from home. I had a friend who had a friend. And that's kind of what it sounds like Centoya Brown stumbled into. She was just hanging out with the wrong people. It got wild. Didn't realize that it was the type of situation it was until you're already so far down the line that you can't really get yourself out. Yeah. You know, you just thought you were having fun and life's great and, you know, I'm doing drugs, I'm getting laid, like I'm chilling with all these cool different people. And that's not to say that this is what every situation is. No, of course not. there is people who are abused, who are defiled, who are raped. And like I said, I said this to Matt earlier, the person who we spoke to regarding, and like I said, we're not going to use her name for her sake. However, the person who we spoke to earlier did say she liked sex. She felt like what was happening to her was good. Was not maybe not good. I don't know. Maybe not good, word, but like it was not like abnormal. She, was, like she said was, it wasn't abnormal to her. Yeah, like for sex people, was a normal part of her life. She yeah. liked it, so why not? For do people it? to want to have sex, like yeah, it wasn't abnormal. Yeah, you know? absolutely. But that doesn't take away from the fact that she was raped. Yes. She was mistreated. Just because and raped. in the moment she believed she was consenting or kind of paying these people back for giving her a place to stay, because as Matt mentioned, she was a runaway. It does not mean that when you are 14 years old that it's any less of a rape. So we don't want you to think because the person we spoke to said, you know, I liked sex, so I didn't think of it as abuse at that time. That does not make it not abuse. So like Matt said, you don't have to be snatched. You don't have to be kidnapped to be trafficked. You can walk right into the situation, not even realize it. And the, the woman we spoke to, our friend regarding this, who was trafficked, who was a victim of this heinous, heinous, heinous crime, said straight up, I didn't even realize I was being trafficked till years later. Yeah. I didn't even realize I was in an abusive situation till years later. Like watching yeah, a video and being about like being in, exposed in to what yeah in a class about what was actually happening. She said she was like, "Holy shit!" This is what I went through. I didn't know this was abuse. Yeah. I didn't know this was trafficking. I didn't know this had a name. So it can happen like that. It can happen as a kidnapping. It's, it, and it's it, important because a lot of movies portray this, or even the media accounts portray this as you have to be kidnapped or snatched, right. or you have to fight and say no for it to be abuse. That's not true. It's just simply not how it is. And it's pervasive, like we said. I mean, it's not even something that people necessarily notice right away. But, you know, if you ever, and I just, you know, we we always like to throw in a little something, but if you ever see something that's questionable, please, everyone, just, you know, make the phone call to 
CYS and or teach Child your kids Protective to Services. Do the like, same. Yeah, tell your kids to do the same. Because if any of their so friends important. come to school with bruises or if any of their friends come to school and are... Or know, don't come to school. Don't come to school or are acting different. Like, you know, Make please educate your kids. Give them it some It would be better to background. be safe than sorry. I'd rather call and it be a false alarm than miss one call and have the potential to save a life. Exactly. Or get someone out of a horrible situation. So back to the conversation we were having with our viewers. So Pam... And I were going back and forth discussing. And like I said, I was playing devil's advocate. This is not me saying this is how I feel. This is me saying this is what the prosecution used and this is why I think they won. Like I said, I don't know what her defense was doing. But Pam made a good point. She said, well, what, what I said back to her was from research, she wasn't with the guy she killed more than 24 hours before she killed him. Like I said, I never said I disagree. I merely want to discuss the facts on the case. Even in her testimony, she did say, I thought he was reaching for a gun. However, all accounts show that he was sleeping when he was killed. This made her not, what's it called when you lie in court? This made it, it made it questionable. Perjury. It made her story questionable. Perjury, yeah, was. because the evidence did not line up with what she was saying that happened at that time. So then I'm sure the jury thought that, hey, clearly she's, not this the way she's recounting this is not the way it happened right. what else is she not recounting correctly whether it's intentional or not yeah so i then, mean it just causes speculation yeah so then pam said well i said i think there's more to the case than this just abused trafficked girl kills trafficker after this back and forth with pam for a little bit she did make a really good point and she said very well could be but to give her life when pedophiles and even murderers get less time in her mind did she feel she had a choice? Or better yet, what was she thinking? Survival, freedom, how would a child figure out what to do? I'm like you, only giving my opinion. Fear does a lot of crazy things. And very I think that's a really important. good point because very important to know. Because it's true. There are pedophiles and, and sex crimes and murderers that we've talked about murderers who've gotten less time than this. Matt, I just thought about that. That's very true. Vinsley. Out of jail. Out of jail. Fucking, who else? Issei, out of jail. Out of jail. Um, OJ. OJ. <laughs> Don't even get me started on OJ. OJ, out of jail. Manson, dead. Manson, <laughs> he spent the rest of his life in jail. Yeah, Fuck I know, him. I was kidding. Um, See you in hell, buddy. Wait, who else got out that we've talked about? I swear there was another one. There was. I, I can't think. Great point. Great fucking point, Pam. And like I said, I agree with you. It's a wild case. It's a wild case. It's a very so, off the wall case as yeah. far as I mean. It's not a it's not a conventional case because it's not. First of all, it's a child. Second of all, it's dealing with a murder. Robbery. So it's a it's a it's definitely there's two felonies committed here, and that's why she was sentenced so harshly. And, and like I said, her story didn't add up with what. Right. And then and then that puts her into question. That puts her reliability her memory into question because you said a and b happened and not equaled c but we're seeing a b c d e f g happened you know what i mean it's one of those things and it's and i think that hurt her case she testified one thing evidence showed the opposite so that calls into question her credibility exactly. is she lying or does she just not remember in either way what she's saying is not adding up so that's not what that couldn't have been 
in that moment what happened. That does not mean, like I said before, that this was not a prior instance where he was trying to rape her and he was reaching for a gun, maybe just passed out and went to sleep. We don't know. We don't know. But what happened in that moment, which she says differs greatly from what the forensic evidence states, and I think that has to do with how she was sentenced. Yes. But now, I want to read another comment, though. I want to say thank you again. Yeah, I want to give another shout-out to one of our listeners, and thank you so much for your comment. I'm going to read, if you don't mind. It may be about what the man did or wanted to do to her. It simply may be she had had enough of being treated like a piece of meat. She could just snap. Maybe she thought if she became a killer, the pimp would let her go, as she may then kill more of his customers. Don't forget she was not mature enough to figure this out in a well-balanced way. And I love that Matt was kind of giggling through because it is kind of... It's it it is. It's a like, little ironic to think yeah. that way, but that's that's, that's the cause good, for speculation we're talking about. That's the good point to bring up. That's I mean, a huge point. Maybe and I really appreciate that perspective. Honestly. And that's what I was saying earlier. Why, like, she should have just killed this guy and then went home and killed the pimp. Right. Like, just I mean, go on that little spree there. I'd rather go. We don't know what Centoya was thinking in this whole thing. Maybe she was thinking. You know what? If I blow this guy away, go back and they show him he won't fuck with me anymore. I'll take the money and I'll walk out of here. Like fuck him. We really don't know. Good point, Anne. That's really a great good point, point Anne. We appreciate that. Any perspective that's unique like that, we love to hear. We also want to thank our friend Kelly, who did leave a comment on here because she said, "Because I believe the man she killed had little to do with her involvement in the prostitution ring." Correct. I think human trafficking has become a huge issue more so recently than ever that celebs are using their status as a platform to try to act like they know what the hell they're talking about when they aren't looking at evidence. And that's another great point because I don't know necessarily what got this whole thing started again on social media and with Rihanna and Kim Kardashian. We don't know who alerted Rihanna to this, but... It, it could have just been a conversation like you and I have Yeah, we, she might have been talking to somebody that and was like, like wow, yo, have you heard about Centoya Brown? Yeah. Hey, if anybody has Rihanna's number, we'd love to talk, <laughs> I'd love to talk to her too and take her out to dinner if that's possible. So, did you see anybody? You, you bad bitch. Hey, if it's shoot or shoot, man. Yeah. Rihanna, if you're listening, <laughs> hit a brother up. But we also got a comment from Becky, and Becky said... She was a child and cruelly abused and incapable of adult decisions. She was she retaliated against another abuser and then followed up with saying, the human brain is still maturing into the 20s and some injured brains never reach maturity. And you have to think that's a really good point. She Absolutely. was abused. She was, you know, an FADS baby. The first eight or months, F-A-S-D. F-A-S-D. The first eight, fads you spelled. The first eight, the first eight months of her life probably contributed to some of her disassociation with what's right and wrong. You know, she maybe she knew what she was doing was wrong. I don't know. But I think, and that's why we say, like, I don't know who defended her, but there are a lot of ways to look at this and say that she was in so many different places. And it seems the victims of this are, the young victims, at least to me, are so often not even aware that they're like, you know that that they're a statistic. Like this is and actually happening to you. Thing, that's a scary thing. How do you thing. help someone that doesn't realize they're being yeah, abused? That's I, I think that's why they don't come forward. And especially like, at the ages between like twelve and sixteen, I was rebellious as hell. I didn't want to listen to people being like, oh, because like people thought I was in a 
an abusive relationship and they would tell me all the time get the fuck out of this he's mean to you he's not nice to you he's not treating you with respect he's calling you names what are you doing and I was just like fuck you guys yeah and I think you don't see it until you're out of it now I look back and even he looks back and it's like wow I was a piece of shit I needed to change and I'm so glad I can step out and see what the fuck I did and I am so sorry that I did this to you straight up we've had this conversation so I think it's the same thing even worse because you're involved in this partying lifestyle, this abuse. You're hanging out with older people. You're feeling cool. You're feeling connected, at least in some of these cases. Like we said earlier, this is not the case at all. Some of these people are kidnapped, taken against their will. But we have to remember there are victims who were not taken against their will, who did walk into these situations, and they are still trafficked. They are still victims. We do not want to make that any less, you know, clear. These are kids. They are still victims. But like Matt said, they may not realize they were being abused. So how do we get these kids out of this? And we'll talk about this more when we're wrapping the show up. But I want you to go over a few more comments we got. So I posted this in a few of the other podcast pages that I listen to because I'm such a huge fan of true crime and there's so many true crime podcasts that I listen to that I'm obsessed with that even inspired me to make this show myself. And I posted the same question and we had a a um, response from Sarah and Sarah said from the reports I saw she had been diagnosed with FASD which we talked about and she said I would love for someone to expose this on a public platform people with FASD are something like 70% more likely to go to jail it would play a huge part in reasoning impulsivity decision-making relation of cause and effect and so that is super important as well. We kind of touched on that. But because all reports show that she was suffering from FASD, that's a huge part. People said her mentality when she committed this crime was like a 10-year-old. Yep. You know, that's such a huge part. And I think, think that's about so that. important. I mean, if you're 10, think of what your developmental point is at that point. What decisions are you making rationally at 10 years old? And it makes you think if you were 10 years old and you committed this crime, people would probably be like, hell yeah, you got him. You got out of that situation. You're a hero. You're a little, you know, you're, and, and instead, in this case, I mean, I think the majority, I don't think I've seen many people that are fighting the opposite end of this case that she should be in jail. I yeah, haven't seen many. I, I've seen people that are kind of like me that are like, I thought I was concrete, little bit of cracks, but I still don't believe the sentence is fair. Yeah. But I don't think I I've haven't seen, seen anybody say, I think she deserves life in prison. Although yeah. we did hear from one victim's advocacy group that said that she did kill someone. There's a dead person here. Yeah. But like Lisa said, we don't necessarily know what his status was. If he purchased her and was a client for... Well, that brings me to another comment that we got from an Alina. Alina? Alina? And she said, my understanding is that she killed a man who had paid to rape a minor. Aside from being a child rapist, he was an ex-slash-current military and heavily armed, which I'm not 100% sure if that's true or not, but it could be, absolutely. He had been acting paranoid and erratic, and she feared for her life. I don't know, not much gray area there for me. Which I can understand where that would be like, that's, she killed an abuser, the end. I could understand right. where that You would understand that. that. Even if she had killed her pimp, I think I'd be like, well... And I she brought it. that up too. Elena also said, because I said the same thing. I said, I yeah. posed the question, why wouldn't she have killed our pimp? Right? Why wouldn't she kill the top of the top of the abusers? Right. The one who gets these clients for her. That's what a pimp does. Right? So, and I, I hate to call them clients because this is not, 
you know, I think of a client as a, a good positive interaction, but in this case, it's a hugely negative interaction. But Lena made a good point, and she said, I wouldn't expect her to kill her pimp. That would be suicide. Also, wasn't the murder victim a client? And that's a good point. You know, this, this cutthroat motherfucker probably was strong, probably had weapons. Probably 100% was. 100% had weapons. Yeah, I mean, he was a criminal already. You so. have to think this is not someone who just chose to decide to traffic women. This person seems like they had some sort of experience in doing so. And clearly knew how to evade the law. And so that is a good point that why why would she kill her pimp? Because if she failed at killing him, that's suicide. That's a suicide mission she's on. Doesn't isn't that a great point? I totally agree. I I'm, I'm Which I didn't think about until she brought that up. No, I'm absolutely in agreement with her. I mean, in the sense that what would she do from there? You know, if she mm -hmm. kills her pimp, where does she go? Mm -hmm. She gonna Who's she going to call? It's so funny because it's almost like you're having this conversation with Elena because the next thing she said was, it doesn't sound like she was trying to make a long-term life change. She was a kid with FAS and PTSD, and she had heavily armed paranoid scumbags stirring next to her, and she reacted. You also have to keep in mind why vulnerable girls and women stay with men who abuse and exploit them. It's all so complicated. It's a great point, Elena. Thank you. We appreciate that. Absolutely. I think these are amazing. It's such an amazing conversation. Yeah. And this is what this podcast is all about. Absolutely. Having this interaction. It's with a our horrible fans, topic, but if we don't discuss these things, it's never gonna end. it will stay in the shadows forever. And that cannot happen because these people, these victims that we're talking about, and we spoke to someone today, and we're going to read a little bit if you guys um, are cool with it from. Her conversation with us today. Yeah, it's super, super intense and super interesting. Yeah, and very enlightening. Very sad, but very enlightening. Um, so, But before that, again, I want to give one more shout out because she really did offer some insight here. And it was a completely opposing oh, Yeah, point. it was an, it and was kind of like the crack it, take. Yeah, exactly. Not so, the crack, that sounded weird, the crack take, but like the crack cement take. Exactly. And it... it, it Kind of is very harsh and very to the point, but we appreciate your candor, Danielle. And she says she shot a man point blank, robbed him, stole his car, and brought all the money to her pimp. I don't think she should have gotten a life sentence. I don't agree with minors being charged as adults, in parentheses, but I don't think she should walk either. I think that's a very powerful point because, like I said, when you dig into this case, those are points. You know, those are points that are important. If you see anything else, you want to shout out, go uh, for it. No, I, I think that was... <laughs> I, I was forever. <laughs> I know. I was just going to say, I think that was great because it was really helpful to kind of bring to light where the prosecution probably went with this whole thing. I've where never, they did go. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying, I'm not sure what they said at closing, but I'm sure it probably sounded a lot like, <laughs> like what that. she just yeah. said. Are you the lawyer? Yeah, are you are the you, prosecuting attorney you on this, Danielle? But we appreciate you, absolutely. Absolutely, I think that's really important to get, like I said, all sides of the all sides of the coin, because there are two sides. There is a victim on both ends. Absolutely. Someone died. Someone and that died, person, and somebody was trafficked. For regardless sex. of who, like who this man was, if he was a piece of shit, trash, human pedophile, shit bag, he still was a person who died at the result of this, right? So. We have to make sure we're seeing... We don't know that's point. what he was. We assume that's what he was from what we can tell. Yeah. And so. Jennifer also agreed with you, 
Danielle. She said basically the same thing that she thinks she's done her time and she thinks she shouldn't have gotten, or she, she doesn't think she should have gotten completely off for killing someone, but she thinks she's already done her time, which, like we said, she's been in jail for about a decade now. Right. A little over a decade. This post is a really great segue into our guest. We got some really good feedback, and actually, through our interactions uh, with a couple of chat groups, we came across a young woman who was willing to share some of her story with us. And as we said, she will remain anonymous, but we want to thank her. We appreciate everything she said and gave us the insight that she offered. Uh, We just asked her a couple questions if she could and was willing just to answer them. And she was very open and candid. And we appreciate that so much because obviously it can't be easy to talk about this. Uh, And this was over a decade ago for her as well. Which really speaks to it because even with the sexual abuse allegations going on even in media and in politics right now, it's it's never felt safe for people to speak out until recently. And I think a lot of victims of these crimes still don't feel safe to speak out. And I think this woman who we spoke to is so brave and so amazing for sharing her story because it does bring an insight that you would never otherwise get. Right. It's a completely other side to the We can talk about this. We can offer like our opinion. And yeah, until our faces turn blue. Exactly. But it doesn't mean anything until we hear. And that's what we said. Like this brings so much legitimacy to this conversation because we heard from a victim. We got some insight from someone who went through what Centoya Brown went through. Or something very similar. Something similar. And like Um, all, all situations are different, but... In this case, it really opened my eyes. A lot of the stuff she said to us, Matt, was very powerful. And, and things Absolutely. you don't think of. Not things you would consider. Because you don't see this in the media. You don't see this portrayed. Right. And all stories are different, so it's just a different flip of the coin. All right, yeah, so it's it's very important insight, and I think it's incredible. It is. Now, I asked a few questions. Uh, I asked her, how long were you in the situation you were in, and like approximately what age was it? What experiences could you offer and something our listeners may not expect, which we we got that. In Centoya Brown's case, what do you think you would have done? Would it have been the same? What advice would you offer to anyone concerned about sex trafficking going on in their area and how can we keep our eyes open? And any other advice she would like to share that would be awesome, greatly appreciated. Uh, and she responded, and as we said, thank you again so much for everything. Hi, I was not gone long. I had run away from home. I was 14. My friend in the city knew some older guys who would drive the 45 minutes or so to pick me up. They brought me to their friend's apartment where my friend was at. I had spent the night before in the woods, so I was pretty achy. Someone offered me a pill, and I took it. Then the blur begins. Spatters of memories... Vivid moments. There was no main quote-unquote pimp that I knew of, but looking back, I think I knew who it was. He had me stay at his family's house. It was an older man and woman and several young kids, elementary age, that seemed to be the grandchildren. One of the girls braided my hair and taught me double dutch. They were doing me a favor, you know? Housing me, feeding me, I did not suspect a thing. That man told me he loved me. He wanted to protect me. But then, for whatever reason, I had to go stay with his friends at a hotel. 
I had the mindset that sex was how I could repay these men for all their help, quote. Next day, new friends, and so on for a few days. I was slowly being moved towards Wisconsin. I didn't know that yet, but I was being but I knew I was being taken out of the city. The entire reason I left home, other than family dysfunction, was to live in the city. So this guy expected me to cook and clean. It was really weird, like I was his wife. I was confused, and I fled his apartment when he was gone. I saw a gas station like a quarter mile away. I went in and asked to use the phone. They asked if I was good, gave me food, and my mom came and got me. It was not the first time I had run away, by far. She figured it was like the rest and never really even probed about my time being gone. It felt like two weeks. It seems unreal, to be honest, looking back. That, wait, you reading that gave me the fucking chills. Obviously, I read it earlier when she was talking yeah, about it. Yeah, I'm you reading it again. reading that? Oh, my God. Wow, like, you putting it all, because she sent it in a bunch of, like, broken Yeah, up text it, it came in a bunch of texts, so, like, oh, man. So, reading it as one, like, foul swoop, holy shit, Matt, I got chills. Dude, I'm, I'm pretty, oh, man. I, that, what a powerful What experience. a story. I mean, the, the way that happened to her, is and and the next thing she said, and this is so poignant. Like, you wouldn't even believe, runaways and homeless kids are the number one targets. That's the insight she offered for me that I truly did not believe. Runaways and homeless kids are the number one targets. We need more resources for them that don't include forcing them back into the homes they left. That is a quote from our guest, our guest, and we truly appreciate that because. That is something that we will offer at the end of this post as, hey, who can we talk to about victims' advocacy and making this a more focal point of this? Because, you know, kids running away from home and homeless kids are the ones that are being picked up and, you know, people don't miss them or they don't notice them and they or go they by the wayside. Or they them back to the abuse. Or they take them back to an abusive situation. It's, exactly. Her saying that was just such... Like you said, it... It makes sense when you hear it out loud, but it's not something you think of first, right? These kids are running away from a home, whether it's for abuse or otherwise. I'm sure statistics show how many people are returned back to their home. Yeah. And how many I would people wonder. are yeah. really being abused. And then their abusers, whether it's their parents or whoever, make it seem like, oh, this is a loving environment. You know, the system is broken. Yeah. And, and the thing is, for a kid in your early teens or your mid-teens, it seems cool to be like, and I, I even, I think in our conversation with her, I mentioned like, you know, you're the young kid getting invited yeah. to the party. Like, this is yeah. awesome. I'm going to, like, she I'm says, away from home. yeah, I'm, I'm away from home. I'm with my friends. She says, not at all. I was partying as far as I knew. I was drugged a lot. Weed, alcohol, whatever else, you know, like. And she said she did some of these drugs willingly. Yeah, she, she said she consensually, weed, she yeah, smoked weed, drank, you know. But then there were other things that she right, didn't realize. The pill that she, that she probably, you know, didn't realize what it was. But it's amazing that, you know, at, at the time, her mindset was, this is way better than being at school. 
You know, that's probably true. She probably at the time as a 14-year-old kid was thinking, I would rather be partying with my friends, not necessarily this, this than at home with my mother, whatever the situation. And it's, you know. Which is what I I really want to find a resolution to. Obviously, I'm one person and I can only do so much. But this is insight that I never would have thought of. You know, I've researched a lot of crimes. I've researched a lot of kidnappings and sex trafficking issues and crimes, and but I never thought of it that the victims, up until today, really, that the victims sometimes seemingly go along with, with what's going on. They think it's a party. It feels better than where they were. And only in hindsight did they really shit. I was in this horrible situation. I was being abused. But it was so poignant to hear her say, I thought I was at a party. Yeah. It just felt like, a two-week-long excursion, a binger away from my parents. It just felt, you know, obviously some parts were weird, didn't make sense. I could feel that they were moving me or that they were, you know, that this was abuse. Right. But at the end of the day, this was better than where I came from. And the scariest thing to me and the most prominent part to me about that statement is how do we get kids out of these scenarios who believe, who don't believe they're being abused, like you mentioned earlier. It's Beyond taking the law, which takes time, and right. there's also distrust there, which she brought up. Right, absolutely. There's distrust in that system. It's like the same thing. That's with the thing. Sex a lot workers. of these people, yeah, with sex workers, a lot of these people that come out or accuse someone of sexual assault or molestation or something unseedy at all. I mean, anything at all. Like, you know, peeping it's such Tom. It's a slippery slope. It's a slippery slope because. You'll get the people saying, well, they're just after mm-hmm. whatever. X, Y, Z. X, Y, Z. Or they're just scorned. They're, or they yeah, had a it's, problem. Exactly. She's crazy or she or drinks or this. Or, yeah, it, it was, you know, girlfriend. it ended bad. Yeah. Things like that. And She consented, but then she took it back. That's in the, the thing. middle of it. And we can never allow that to become the standard because there are people that do that and they say things like, you know, well, that's just kind of what you get. No, it can never, ever be the standard that we say things like that and it comes off the cuff like that. It's just pathetic to think that way. That point is so important. Like we said, these victims, some don't know they're being victimized. They're kids. I want to read, I'm so glad you said that because that's a perfect segue into the one, the last thing I want to include from our guest. And this was the other really eye-opening thing for me. You asked her when... Did she realize something wasn't right? That she was in an abusive situation and that things were going wrong and she needed to get out. She realized it years later in a class when I was reading about sex trafficking in a women's studies class. We read a whole book about it. It included the shared experiences of victims and it all crashed in on me. That is absolutely staggering to me. She figured it out years after the fact that she was involved in this. How many kids are going through this right now and don't know it? It's scary. It's scary to me. It truly is frightening. And it, it's how how do we get them out of the situation if they don't recognize that they're if in a they situation? If they don't recognize that they're in it. And, and even when they do, it's so hard to reach out for help. There's shame. There's, there's yeah. you know, there's so much baggage that comes along with 
with admitting this not only to yourself but to others. And once you admit it to others, it becomes real. Right. And you then become it's, a victim. Yeah. Nobody wants to be a you're, victim. You're you're honestly kind of labeled. And I hate to say that because And that's the problem. That's a, that's part of the problem is people look at it as a taboo or as, And I don't think victims should be called victims, which I know I've called everyone in this victim, but as much survivor. as we hate to use the word, but survivor, survivor. is the better word, yeah. Survivor is this, the proper This woman word. is a survivor. Sintoya Brown is a survivor. Yes. Whether Sintoya Brown killed someone or not, she survived awful, awful experiences at a young age that most of us probably would have broken over. So I want to at least give her credit. I want to give so much credit to our guest, our contributor, because without revealing too much... This woman has built a life for herself, you guys. She She's gave a us family. a lot of background. She has kids. has kids, has done so well. She still works with victims. She still talks to people sometimes about her experience. Uh, and she was so candid with us. Like, so this conversation went on for us. like three hours. Yeah, oh my God. We were talking to her for hours. I was, like I said, I was sitting at work and couldn't focus on the fact that I have a job. You know, <laughs> like, my boss is probably going to say something to me tomorrow. I'll let <laughs> you guys know. He's going to be like, hey, you were on your phone a lot yesterday. Yeah. Because I was. I was literally glued to this Facebook chat. Damn, it was hard to It was hard to pull away from it because I was so enthralled. I had it like in a tiny little box while I was doing work. And every yeah. time one of you would say something, oh my shit, I have to respond. Like this is, this is too good not to ask a follow-up. Her story. And maybe in other podcasts that, that touch on the same issue, we'll read a little bit more of her story. Obviously, we're never going to give away her identity or anything of the sort. We don't want to ever victimize or put her in any kind of danger and, and it's her story to tell but she did give us permission she did tell us we could she use did. this story she said we could use her story and we appreciate that as well yeah. because um, that gives us you know no no qualms about it. and we will not use her name like we no, said no. but even no if she wanted us to I don't really feel bit. comfortable unless unless it's coming from herself her voice Right. I'm not comfortable. Not my story. Um, that. but before we get into the eye for an eye part of this, which I'm sure we're we are. Well, now we've we covered eye for an eye, but um, we still got a form. I think this was a pretty interesting. Like I said, it was another comment from a viewer. We got so many. Like I said, I'm so pumped about this, so I want to share as many as I can. There's just one more that I really feel is necessary to share. The others kind of mimic each other, or were longer conversations. Sorry, Matt's yeah. stretching, and it looked like he was about to kick me in the face. Um, I like that long. Big ass feet though. Get them out of my face. Your smell so fuck off. Yeah, you're here. Yeah, I really smell. I'm like dying over here in my own fumes. It's disgusting. That sounds so weird, but whatever. So yeah. So like I said, the feedback is what I crave for this podcast. I for an eye. I want to hear opinions, and this is still ongoing. Just because this episode is coming to a close does not mean the conversation is over. And it doesn't mean that we won't have follow-up episodes. It doesn't mean we're not going to have mini-episodes. If you still want in on the conversation, want your verse to be heard, or not even, if you want to be one of these people that we just read your opinion, that's absolutely fine, and we want to hear it. And if we get enough, we'll make an episode again. We'll make a catch-up episode. Make a... I mean, this Um, case is... update. Yeah, this case is ongoing. Yeah. Like we said, Kim Kardashian hired a legal team to look into it. Yeah, and they're reviewing it. 2018, they have a review to see if they can get her parole reduced. There you go. Because they believe that for a minor, it's absolutely ridiculous to have to wait 51 years for a possibility of review. Like we did with OJ, though. We'll we'll update as we go. We also have updates for a few other episodes that we We do. We do, yeah. We'll update you on this. Uh, Yeah. So let me read this one last comment, and then we'll get into the closing, and then we'll talk about how we feel about this particular case. Now which we've kind of already done. 
So this comment's from Maddie, and Maddie, I appreciate your comment. Um, it's, it's, again, kind of the other side of the coin, kind of more of a, less of a, she did justice, and more of a, I'm looking at the facts, I'm looking at the case, this is what I feel. So I appreciate that, because it is, it feels less based on emotion and more based on a, kind of an outsider Deductive reasoning. Yeah. Yep. So, not saying that the other ones are wrong or anything like that. No, I, I mean, feel, there's a lot of... I agree with almost every single there's comment. There's a lot of validity to any contention yeah. on either and side. And you can, you can absolutely believe or agree with parts of every bit of the information we've gotten and the comments we've received. They're all valid. So, Maddie said, Centoya Brown probably should have gotten time. She took money and guns from the victim, which kind of takes away from the idea that she was trying to break free from being a kidnapped slash captive sex worker. As a judge, I would have probably given her 60 months, so she would be released between the ages of 21 and 22. The Supreme Court ruled that teens can't get life without a potential release, even though some teens possibly deserve a life, or even though some teens probably deserve life without parole, in parentheses, Craig Price, Tori Adamick, Adamic. Yeah, I don't know. It says A-D-A-M-C-I-K. Centoya Brown isn't one of them. It's no credit or discredit to her. I would probably sentence most teen murderers who commit second-degree murder to five to six years. Sentencing teens for first-degree murder is or should be more of a moral dilemma for the justice system or judges. I can definitely appreciate that. And I want to look into these other cases that he named, the Craig Price and Tori Adam... Whatever the hell, Adam Sick. Yeah, Adam Sick. We'll look those up. All right, uh, so I do appreciate that though, because that, that is the way of looking at it from a strict legal perspective, standpoint. and that's the only way you can do it as an attorney, as a prosecuting attorney, because it's uh, that's their job is to look at the law, look mm -hmm. at which law was broken. There's a dead man here who is responsible. Yeah. That's how it happened. And, and like I said, we have no idea the background of this man. We don't, well, we know, we know he purchased a, bit, a minor yes. for sex, and that's absolutely disgusting. Makes you disgusting. We know Nothing. enough to know that we probably don't like one thing about him, so absolutely. that's fair to say. So, I want to go over a few things before we give our final thoughts here. Basically, there's two sides to the coin, right? There's the side that children should not be sentenced without the possibility of parole. And then there's the, the side of the coin that there's no reason a child who commits a crime should have no possibility of parole for a gazillion years or at all. So the first side of that coin, a statement I found that was really, really captivating to me said that making her, making, so Satori Brown obviously is who we're talking about. So making her eligible for parole sooner is not about letting people walk away or not holding someone responsible for the consequences of their actions, but rather making her sentence proportionate to her age and the context in which the crime was committed, which in this case, she was 16 and abused. Mm -hmm. Sex trafficked, abused. Now, there's no dispute in that. Yep. Nobody has come out and said, no, she wasn't abused. No, she wasn't suffering from FASD. There's no dispute in that. So that's a good point. What do you feel about that part of it before I read the other part? Well, I mean, obviously there was, nobody could argue that what she'd been through was horrific. To that point, does that justify murder? That's a good point. See, that's where we're at. That's what, that, where that's the, the contention. That's the contention is where we're, where we're we on this next point. Like, so could, could she have 
not kill some. I don't know. Maybe not. I, personally, I'm the type of person who's like, if... <laughs> Hides and, a samurai sword under your bed. What? I said you're the type of person who has a, like a samurai sword under your bed. I do have a samurai sword, but that's not <laughs> part of it. I was going to say, yeah, like I, I think we should castrate rapists and, force, and put a big tattoo, burn an insignia into their foreheads and make them walk around like that as yep. eunuchs. Um, so I'm like not in any way okay with anybody buying a minor for any reason. I don't care what. Or really anyone. Anyone, yeah. yeah. I mean, oh, another thing I want to say: there's a slave trade actively going on in Libya right now. Please, it's sickening. We need to raise awareness for that. Absolutely. So anybody, comment, post, share anything you see about this, and we need to do more. And we as people need to do more. We need to make anymore. Anymore. So we it's need to make a positive that needs stuff. to be talked about more and it hasn't been Absolutely. About we need to make strides to to push this issue to the forefront. But back to I'm sorry, back to the original But what you said real quick, let me read this other part because yeah. it goes to what you said. So the other side of this coin has been brought up by the National Organization of Victims of Juvenile Murderers. Now that's an organization, obviously that's advocates for the victims of people who are killed by minors, right? right or who are victims of crimes committed by minors, which I think is a very valid organization because not in all cases do minors kill someone who is a horrible human being. Absolutely. People kill their parents, people kill their siblings, people kill their friends, people. There's so many cases where minors, and we're going to touch on a lot of them. I have a lot of them lined up. Actually, one of them is the next episode I have written out. It was where a minor committed a crime. Uh. A horrible and heinous crime. And they were 10 years old. So if you know who I'm talking about, let me know. Anyways... So they said that, obviously, they've sent out criticism for the advocates for eliminating life sentence for juvenile offenders. And the reason being, they say it lavishes all of the resources on convicted murderers. They go on to say, and I quote, We are not denying the premise that teenage perpetrators are impacted by toxic stress and events in their lives. But we do believe juveniles have to be held accountable for their actions. The results are the same whether the person committing the crime is 16 or 60. So basically they're saying, you know, murder is murder. Murder is murder. It does not matter. And I think that's a good point if we want to flip back to our Michelle Carter episode. Because we were talking, the whole episode was centered around should she be held responsible for something. I mean, it's not the same as murder, absolutely not. And we talked about that in the episode. If you guys want to check it out, I can't remember what number it is right now because I suck at remembering the episode numbers. However, it is one of our episodes, so go backwards and find it. But that was the main point of the case is, should we be holding minors accountable for their actions? Or does it show that you can get away with quote-unquote murder? Right. Is, is it important to show a minor, hey, if you act erratically, hey, if you make these impulsive, disturbing, heinous decisions to take someone's life, to torture someone, et cetera, et cetera, whatever the case may be. And like I said, not talking about Centoya Brown necessarily in this in this instance, but for young criminals. Does it show when they get a slap on the wrist, let out of jail, whatever the the soft consequences, does that show other people, hey, I could do this. I could do this and go, yeah. Heather Mack. Yeah. Go free in a couple of years, right? Or oh, I, I gosh. Could, yeah, who knows? Yeah. She it's and, and so that's a really good point. It's it there's such a it's so hard, Matt. It's so hard to pick between should they have no opportunity at getting out of jail to prove a point to people that crime is crime no matter how old you are and you're not going to get it passed because you are young 
and seemingly incapable of understanding your decision? Or are you going to be held accountable for a little bit and then let out? The law is an ever-changing tapestry, Lisa. But what do you think? I personally don't think you can go any way than other other than a case by case basis. Yeah, There's no way of saying, oh, oh you got a yeah. flat hard line, every kid or no yeah. kids, because it's just like. I think like, that's where the slippery slope is. It's under the age of eighteen. You... I mean, like think about Brock Turner. He's eighteen. Fuck okay? that fucking turd bag. Right. I'm in. His no face way. is next to the word rapist in textbooks, and so that's a good sentence. Not good. Not what I want him to be sentenced, but it's definitely, it's a case that I have to cover. I think you should do that one. Like, had that one. I have the next one I want to do figured out. No, but like, not next, but I mean like you. Oh, at some point. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, I will. But, um, but it is, it's a case by case basis, but that's what makes it a slippery slope. How do you create a law? How do you create any laws without having so many really like centimeter stipulations? Right. Because things can change by one hair. You know, who's to say that someone being abused for years and years and years and years who snaps and commits a murder is any better or worse than someone who was abused for a day and snapped in defense? Because the person that snapped in defense has already been out of jail. And the person who's been abused for a gazillion years is in jail seemingly until she's 70 years old. But I'm I'm just, I'm not talking about Centoya. I'm talking about in, like... In general, cases. Oh, yes. Where there's abuse for years versus there's... How do you... It's apples and oranges, you're right. But it's also, it's like, there has to be a standard. There has to be something that scares these little kids into showing, hey, you're not going to be a Heather Mac. You're not going to get out of jail in two years and live the life in prison. That's not how this works. You can't kill people and get away with it. It's, it's so hard because you know my stance. Obviously, people know my stance now, but it's like, it is case by case, which is why, even though you may know my stance on one case, it's not going to be the not same. Not going to be the same for another. So, so let's, eye for an eye. Yeah, let's Wrap do the up. eye for an eye. What do you think? No, fuck no. no. I think this girl, well, woman now, should be held accountable, but I don't think in jail. Uh, yeah. I think she has a lot of mental health issues from the FASD, from abuse, from all of the trauma in her life. Um, I think she needs help. I don't think prison's a place for someone that needs help. She did kill someone, and the, and the, and she admits that, and the evidence doesn't seem to match what she's saying, but that could be for a plethora of reasons. She did kill someone, so maybe, I mean, I'd say I'd sentence her maybe to, like, a year or two, and then put her somewhere where she gets intensive help intensive help intensive therapy care love the love that she deserves she's been in jail since 2004 right yeah oh well like if we're thinking about it now i think she should be out well she's been in jail since 2004 yeah here's my thing so almost 14 years stipulation could be made that 15 years i don't know what their minimums are in tennessee but 15 years in a lot of places is a minimum sentence for murder I thought it was 25 years. No. 25 to yeah, you, yeah, in a lot of places it is 25. You're right. But you can, I think, argue 15. Yeah. I don't know. And we did say she got her associate. She has been working hard in jail. She has been seemingly a, a model inmate. I mean, yeah, we haven't heard. There's no reports anywhere saying that she's caused a ruckus. 
There's no reports anywhere saying she's been in trouble in jail. Yeah, when we looked into it, she has not really been in the and news And that would for sure recently. be yeah. you know, reported on, especially because her case is kind of changing laws, changing the way people view these kind of crimes and these kind of sentencing. So what do you think? Not at all. Not at all. What do you think should have happened or should happen? I think she should be released, and I think she should like you said, receive psychological oh. counseling. I don't believe that she should have ever been sentenced to 51 years, no, but no, I do believe him. that she should have been punished for killing someone. What do you think the sentence should have been? If, if like, pretend she's not in jail right now and it's happening right now as we speak like we thought the case was happening. I think 15 years is a pretty good reasonable number. I agree. I didn't even think about how long she's already been I in jail. I think 15 years is a pretty good reasonable number. If she served another year and a half or so in jail, I think... 15 years for murder, and we don't necessarily know why she killed him. Maybe she was robbing him. Mm-hmm. Maybe she was escaping. Or I don't she know. Was it's in fear or like our total hypothetical. Dead. We maybe don't she know. Snapped. Maybe she snapped. We don't know. It's all hypothetical until we really know. So I'll say this for her though there are so many factors in sex trafficking and especially child sex trafficking that we have to consider that she must have been in such an awful place by the time this took place. I can't even fathom what she was thinking. I don't want to even know, to be honest. I, I do feel that she was not sentenced fairly, though, and I feel terrible that this happened to her in the first place. So I think she should be released, like I said, and... I agree. I think she's done enough time as it stands right now. Yeah. Well, maybe like a year, like to make it that even 15, but I do, I 100% agree with you. I think she does need to serve some time to show that you can't just kill people. You can't just kill people even if they seem threatening. There we are. I'm just going to cut everything I said. So this isn't just a problem in the U.S. Obviously, this is a problem all over the world, and it's the most terrifying thing I can think of because it's so prominent it's like what did i say it's hiding in plain sight yeah it really is there are wealthy individuals who are making this go round, and i mean hollywood moguls and people who are captains of industry and foreign leaders and things or even national leaders we don't know i mean yeah but it's it's, so underground but it's also so prominent it's 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 wild so i wanted to go so over some statistics i found they so 158 countries have laws that criminalize most forms of trafficking. However, like we said, it's kind of an underground situation. Well, not right. kind of it is. Um, so sex trafficking is a lucrative industry, making an estimated $99 billion a year. Now, at least 20.9 million adults and children are bought and sold worldwide into commercial sexual servitude, forced labor, and bonded labor. About 2 million children are exploited every year in the global commercial sex trade. 54% of trafficking victims are trafficked for sexual exploitation, and women and girls make up 96% of the victims Uh, of trafficking for sexual exploitation. Yet another place women are exploited, and it's just... I mean, there's so many... Yeah. There's so many accounts of this that aren't told. And this... Think about that. This is a huge violation of basic human rights, including the rights to bodily integrity, equality, dignity, health, security, and freedom from violence and torture. Clearly, all of these things are intertwined in sex trafficking. A lot of these sex trafficking stories tell 
texts tell stories of daily degradation. Degradation. What's that mean? Um, just absolute, like, misery and being tortured or being... So bad at speaking, okay, of mind and body. Uh, reports are, reports say and studies show that these victims of sex trafficking are often isolated, intimidated, sold into debt bondage, and subject to physical and sexual assault by their traffickers. Most (laughs) live under constant mental and physical threat. Many suffer severe emotional trauma, including symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder and disassociation. And they are at greater risk of contracting sexually transmitted infections, including HIV AIDS. And many become pregnant and are forced to undergo often unsafe abortions. So that is just a little bit of background there. We're going to leave you on this note. So like, let's, let's play the game like, subscribe, please, 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 please review and rate us, please. Yeah, that helps a please. ton for you guys the that have Apple. The reason we're begging you is not because we want to become, like, super popular, which would be great. But we love it. But. We, that helps us be noticed on iTunes. It makes it easier for you to find our episodes if you don't want to subscribe. It just makes it easier for us to come up on iTunes. That's, yeah. the, that's the main reason. The more people that rate and review us on iTunes, the more people see it when you search things like true crime. Yeah. And that's important, and we really appreciate the support. And we do. It, and it means a lot to us, so we don't want to beg for your affection, but we would really appreciate it. We have so many downloads. We see the numbers rising every single day. It's incredible. It's way more than we ever thought that it would be two and a half months into this podcast. Absolutely. It's incredible, and it's only growing. Every time we release an episode, it gets bigger and bigger. If every single one of you reviewed us, literally, we'd be on the top. We'd be in the like new and noteworthy. If every single person yeah. who's been downloading our show, you know, we'd be up there. So please, 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 please like us, rate us, review us, leave us comments, interact with us, engage with us. The conversation's still going. It's it's not ending anytime soon. Let us know cases you want to hear about. Yeah. Let us know cases you want to be in on. In case you didn't hear Lisa, please. We really want your input. Don't make us come after you. We will. <laughs> we don't know where you live. So... But we have a special set of skills. Matt sent me this link, and I want to leave it with all of you guys, especially for those, which it seems like everybody's on the same page about this part of it. A retrial for Centoya Brown is necessary. So this is on change.org. The whole link is www.change.org slash P slash Tennessee. Hold on, I have to read it all. Plus, slash Tennessee dash re dash trial dash four dash centoya dash there has to be an easy way to get this dash brown it will be in the link let's just say it's going to be in our show notes so just check it out there but basically what this petition is it's by nosha wilson thank you to nosha for doing this for centoya and for all kids that are you know trafficked this is a big case even though it has to do with murder and it's a little more morbid than you know it could be it's it's so important because it's start important. It's so important because it's so starting important. this conversation about sex trafficking. It's opening up your eyes. This is a problem all over the world, and this is a problem right in our backyard. Yep. So what I wanted to do is read the what she's trying to get. She's already got nine hundred. Oh my gosh, she's already had um, one hundred ninety-five thousand one. 116 people signed this petition and what it says is Centoya Brown was only 16 years old when she received a prison sentence of 51 years for first degree murder 
she murdered a man named Johnny Allen who had been sexually abusing her. Which, like I said, we don't know if that was, if he was ever going on and on. But anyways, she was a victim of sex trafficking and was later sold to the man she had killed. She feared for her life and believed that he would kill her first. So she killed him before he could kill her. I pray that this petition helps Santoya get a retrial, her case dismissed, or a shorter sentence with time served. Which, like we said, has already been about 14 years. Please sign this position, petition calling for a retrial of her case. This is a very sad story, especially due to the fact that it was only a, that she was only a child when it happened. Going through the things that she went through at such a young age is very traumatizing, physically, mentally, and emotionally. No one can ever understand what that does to a child's mindset. If she didn't build up the courage and take a risk to save herself, she would still be going through the same thing or sadly dead. Our laws really need to change to stop letting people like Johnny get away with things like this. Santoya needed help after what she went through, not her life taken away from her once again. Sign this petition calling for her retrial. Hashtag justice for Santoya Brown. So let us know your opinions. What do you feel? What side are you on? Sign the petition. I don't, don't even think it's sides. It's like there are cracks in your cement or do you think it's you're, you're set in stone? Yeah, that's what it is. Uh, so if you feel strongly about this, or you know people who do, please implore them to sign this change.org petition. And I will put the link in the show notes and I'm going to cut out me reading it because that was ridiculous. All good. All right, Matt. That wraps up one of the most cool, not cool, oh my gosh, one of the... Most, I would say it was pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, One um, of the most um, important cases we have done. Absolutely. For me... So relevant. One of the most enlightening by yeah. far. I mean, we got to experience firsthand something that goes on much more often than Absolutely. we are. Absolutely. And all the feedback was so incredible. Like I said, thank you guys so much for all of that. We love you guys. We love it. Thank you guys. All right. Good night. Peace. begin that evening around say seven o'clock um i was in the hotel room and what were you doing with cut in the motel room at the in-town suites we were either getting high or having sex that's all we ever did he said that i was slipping and then i was starting to become a slouch that i needed to get out and get on my grind and get some money when i left i was looking for a ride so i can go out to east nashville who were you going to see in east nashville well, I wasn't going to see particularly anyone. I was going to an area that I knew was very, I don't know, it's a lot of people go there and prostitute. Okay. I remember one time, the first time he did something to me is when he choked me and I passed out. But they said I thought he was a joke. Mm-hmm. What else did he do to you? He talked really rough and to me and jacked me up. He pulled me by my hair and dragged me and stuff. He put guns up tiny. Do you ever have sex with the guys? When I cut the gun up to me, I did. Did he did, did he have sex with you too? Yeah, he had sex with me. Sometimes I don't want to have sex with him. He's still me. I'll be crying and everything. So how how come you stayed with him? You're not listening. I'm making money. He wasn't gonna let me go nowhere. He told me he'd kill me. He knows where my mom lives.
and I'm not a dude talking to I'm a spice guy. He's not afraid. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. <laughs>